Hello, and welcome to What's on Tap, Lancaster, the show that pours out the latest need-to-know trends, insights, and strategies for young professionals in the business community. I'm your host, Ashley Glenser. And I'm your other host, Molly Krauser. We hope that today's episode equips and inspires you to join us in cultivating a thriving community. Let's dive in. We are excited to welcome Brian Wynn to What's on Tap, Lancaster, Brian is a familiar face to many in the community and is highly involved in several organizations. Brian is a storyteller, a community connector, and a social media guru. Brian is the communications manager at Community Action Partnership of Lancaster County. Brian also serves as the communications manager of the Lancaster LGBTQ Plus Coalition and is a board member communications chair of the Keystone Business Alliance, Central Pennsylvania's LGBT Chamber of Commerce. Brian, you wear so many hats. I always enjoy following your social media presence as you connect with businesses and community members alike throughout the county. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. Hi. Hi. You guys, it's so great to be here. We're so excited to have you. Thank you so much for having me here. It's an absolute pleasure and an honor. Awesome. So Brian, we want to hear from you a little bit. Would you mind telling us a bit about your story, your career journey as a young professional? For sure. To give you a little context before I dive right into my career, I'm a first-generation Vietnamese-American. So my parents immigrated here to the States from Vietnam during the Vietnam War. When I was born, we lived in poverty. So as soon as I was born, my career path was basically laid out for me. I was supposed to be one of the many stereotypical roles for Asian-Americans at the time, such as a doctor, a lawyer, a doctor lawyer, or even the next president of the United States. So I went to college in Reading, Pennsylvania with the intention of being a doctor. So I started off as a biochem pre-med major. But I'm sure you're aware, when you go to college, it opens a variety of experiences and doors that changes your perspective and your life. So by the time I was a sophomore in college, I was the president of the Gender Resource Center, where we did a lot of advocacy through various mediums from canvassing, digital marketing, graphic design, raising a lot of awareness on LGBTQ rights, women's rights, human rights. And through that process of communications and marketing, it really set the tone and foundation of what I wanted to do. But by the time I realized that, I changed my major about seven times, and I was paying for college by myself. So fortunately, through the power of networking and through a variety of doors, I became the first marketing person for a local food network TV show. So as a college student, it was like the best experience ever, telling stories and connecting with local businesses and getting free food at the end of it. (laughs) Sounds (laughs) amazing. So it was the epitome of my college marketing experience. But during college, I received a lot of internships and great opportunities and really built my social equity. And so by the time I graduated college, I moved down to Baltimore, where I started off as a social media specialist for a local boutique chain down in the Inner Harbor. And then I really worked my way up to a digital marketing specialist. It was post-Baltimore riot. So it was my role to tell the stories, to get clients and customers to stop by not only our hotels, but Baltimore as a whole. And it was definitely an eye-opening experience. And it was in that moment when I realized storytelling was very impactful for me. Hearing the stories of local business owners and people who would travel to Baltimore for a variety of reasons, and it just really captivated my heart. But when it was time for my chapter to close, I started a new one at Thaddeus Stevens College, where I was the web and social media coordinator while working as the director of communications for a domestic violence organization out west. And then I worked my way over to the Community Action Partnership, where I started off as a part-time web specialist, working my way up as the current communications manager, as well as volunteering in a variety of roles that 
involves communications and marketing in some capacity. And I've been very fortunate that most of my roles have been fairly new, or I've really taken my roles and run with it, which opened a variety of other opportunities. That's incredible. So we heard a little bit of, you know, you started this experience in college that really shaped who you were and are today. But can you tell us a little bit more of what you love most about social media and the outlet that it provides? So what's so great about social media and why I love about it is the power and the impact it has. Social media is a great opportunity for you to connect and network with people from all over the world. Whether it's keeping in contact with your friends and family on Facebook, connecting with industry-like people on LinkedIn, or just seeing what your idols or role models are up to on Twitter and Instagram, social media can bring you closer together. And also a part if you're willing to start the drama on social. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But sharing our experiences is something that many of us do on social media. We enjoy sharing our memories, accomplishments, and our passions with the world, and in particularly through photos and videos. So when people that you admire share their experiences, it can spur you to do the same. By telling stories, especially your story, you can change lives because you can control the narrative. That's great. Very powerful. Yeah. I think you kind of covered this a little bit, but do you mind elaborating, thinking about how you combine your personal experience with social media and storytelling into your work life? What does that, as a communications manager and for a company or brand or whatever that would look like, how does storytelling impact that or how do people use that as an aspect of communication? Just to clarify, when we talk about storytelling, it's not like we're reading like Beauty and the Beast or Bridgerton, right? <laughs> Which I would be okay with, yeah. oh, to for be clear. Sure. For sure. And those are both really favorites of mine. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, storytelling has long been used as a way to connect, a means to record history, and can be a catalyst for change. When we tell stories, we're providing an opportunity to be vulnerable and allowing the audience to connect with you one way or another. For me personally, I lean into my vulnerabilities and share my story and lived experiences because it helps people connect with me and understand me on a more personal and professional level. For professionally speaking, it allows you and your organization or business to be able to let people understand what happens behind your closed doors. It provides that level of transparency that a lot of people, consumers, are looking for. And it lets you connect with your customers and the community one way or another. Stories have been passed down from generation to generation, people to people, to learn, educate, and understand the world and this crazy journey we call life. So it's important that we tell stories so we continue the history and the impact that we're all having on this earth. What are some brands that you feel like, local, national, international, whatever that would look like for you, that are really good at storytelling, that provide that transparency and can make you connect with as a professional in that space that really feel like they do it really well? So I'm a little biased for locally, like the Community Action Partnership (laughs) is definitely (laughs) one. But organizations like the Lancaster Chamber, you guys are doing incredible work in telling the stories of our local businesses, our local business community, and really highlighting your history. Not a lot of people understand what the Chamber does or who is the Chamber. And so by you tapping into your storytelling, I feel like you guys have given such a strong presence of who you are, what you are, and what you represent to our community. In terms of like nationally, talk about pressure. (laughs) Um, I'm very biased towards the queer community. So usually like the Trevor Project or like the Human Rights Campaign, ACLU, they are very intentional with the stories that they're telling and the impact that they have in our community and in a lot of people's lives. That's great. Thank you. So switching gears just a little bit here and thinking through the constant evolution of social media, I just joined Snapchat again after I don't know how many years off of Snapchat because I was told it wasn't cool. The kids got her back on Snapchat. The kids got me back on Snapchat. I mean, I used that mostly in college as my primary form of communication and then it wasn't cool and now it's cool again. So, you know, we're seeing social media constantly evolve. 
different platforms arise. So how do you stay informed and up to date on innovative ways to harness the power of digital engagement? I'm just speechless because... (laughs) Like, I think wholeheartedly, I think I'm starting to feel my age. Uh, granted, I'm not that old. Um, I'll be 25 for the next six years. Um, <laughs> I was like, you're 25. No. <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. Right, Talk right. to me when you're 30. I'm somewhere in between. <laughs> um, so social media and digital marketing as a whole is constantly changing. In one moment, you're listening to these professionals telling you that these are the best practices and only to find out the next week that everything is out the window and it's changed (laughs) because the algorithms have changed or now these are the best practices. So I participate in various digital marketing groups, sat in on various diverse panels and read on the latest trends in reputable magazines, articles, things like that. But like everything in life, it's important to do your own research, listening to leading professionals in the industry and learning from trial and error. I can't tell you how many times where I feel so passionate or I really enjoy a story I posted on like Facebook only for it to flop. It's one of those things where it's just like, yeah, it flopped, but we all learn from our mistakes or like what we could have done better. And so everyone is unique and different. Once you find a style and technique that works for you, work on enhancing it and just backing it up with data. That's such great advice. That is really good advice. So, you know, I'm hoping that we have some marketing professionals listening to this podcast. And so what are some of those resources that you might recommend to people who are just starting their marketing and communications careers? For sure. So in spirit of full transparency, my degree is in biology family studies. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So I ended up did getting my biology degree, but I'm not in med school. So don't be afraid to try new things. Granted, I did. Right. <laughs> and look where I ended up. Don't be afraid to tap into your vulnerability. And most importantly, don't be afraid of failure. As communication and marketing professionals, there's a level of expectation that we're all extroverted and we love people. Granted, I also love to hug everyone I meet. So The best hugs, too. <laughs> Thank so, you. Clearly. But it's important to grow out of your comfort zone and learn from all your experiences. You don't necessarily need to be an extrovert to be a successful communications professional. Find what works out for you and grow out of your comfort zone and learn from all your experiences. And most importantly, don't be afraid to ask for help, especially on things you don't know. Part of the reason why I feel my age is because the age of TikTok. I just joined. Oh, my God. Molly. It's the worst. (laughs) I'm still not on TikTok yet. Don't. (laughs) Don't do it. You'll definitely feel your age because I've learned things from Gen Z, even 14-year-olds, on, like, how to, like, properly clean my bathtub or, like... (laughs) How to do like smooth transitions for videos. Like at one point or another, we constantly have to learn and grow despite feeling our age. Be open to experiences. It's what you make out of it. Are there any specific people, influencers that you look to for innovative ideas about how to create story or craft story or specific publications that you look at? You know, what does that look like for you? And you're like, I need to figure out how to do X, Y, Z. Where do you go? Yeah. So when you're just starting out in terms of just general social media or digital marketing communications, my go-to would recommend is the Social Media Examiner. It's completely free. You can subscribe to the newsletter. It literally gives you the 101 on how to do the fundamentals of social media marketing. And in terms of like the latest trends and everything, no joke, I literally use TikTok because they're on top of everything. And they are the leading social media platform internationally. So that speaks numbers and volumes. In terms of professional influencers or leaders to look to, 
I don't really have just one, and I'm kind of blanking right now on names, <laughs> and I apologize. But literally, like LinkedIn. LinkedIn has a lot of leading professionals. I hate to be one of those people that has to say it, but look for that blue check mark because that's how you know they're verified and that they know what they're doing. There's tons of groups on there that you can participate in, but feel free to reach out and I'll put together a list yeah, for you. That'd be cool. Well, this ties nicely into the fact that you are a LinkedIn guru. So how can young professionals best maximize LinkedIn as a platform to engage connections, communicate passions, and showcase their skills for potential employers? Girl, you give me too much credit for LinkedIn. (laughs) I mean, I appreciate it. So I'm at the age where when LinkedIn first came out, I was like, what is this? I am not a business professional. I hate this. All I will see are my parents, my grandparents, (laughs) and everyone in between. I was like, why? I just didn't get it. I thought it was for only white-collar professionals, and there's no space for young people. But let me stop you there. A professionally written LinkedIn profile allows you to create an online professional brand, which can help open doors to opportunities and networks that you may not have been aware of without the help of social media. LinkedIn gives you the ability to showcase your profile, expertise, recommendations, and connections. Not only is your profile the first professional impression of you when recruiters and employers use LinkedIn to search for candidates, but it also demonstrates the credibility in your industry and highlights your achievements. Many people still underestimate the importance of LinkedIn in their job search and are sometimes reluctant to embrace social media, especially in this digital age. Everyone has to have some form of digital footprint because the first thing employers or just someone you're about to go on a date with will do is Google search you. And so it's important to you know, be on. I don't look people up. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but, you know, it's one of those things where if you had to be on a platform and you still want to be professional, LinkedIn is one of those things where it will help you build a foundation. Speaking of kind of like this professional brand concept, what advice would you give specifically young professionals using social media LinkedIn being kind of a big piece of that from a professional perspective, crafting their own personal brand. Like, what do they need to be sharing? What needs to be filled in? You know, what is kind of those maybe even technical areas that they need to kind of be updating to make sure that they've kind of crafted that brand for themselves? What's so great about social media is that you control the narrative and how you present yourself in the world. So if you take a moment to reflect on who you are, who you want to be, and what you aspire to do, don't be afraid to lean into your vulnerability And don't worry about what other things or say, because this is your journey and this is your story. I think for me personally, being Asian American, my voice was always silenced. I have never learned how to speak up or tell my story or represent who I am. And so when I came out on May 1st, 2013 at 10.46 a.m., that was my moment in life when I wanted to change things around. And so tapping into the power of storytelling and the power of social media, I combine my personal and professional branding because wholeheartedly it's it's who I am. I really lead with vulnerability. If vulnerability is not for you, that's totally fine. As long as you feel like when you're presenting yourself on social media, everyone and anyone can see it. So whatever you post out there, just make sure it's representative of who you are and your own brand. Hi, Brian here, taking a pause from the interview for a taste of Our Town Brewery's Press On. With notes of freshly pressed oranges, this citrus-forward New England IPA is sure to impress. Did you know that Press On is the first beer Our Town released to the public? Mmm. And it hits the spot. Head over to Our Town Brewery in Lancaster City for a taste. You can follow their latest food and brew pairings on Facebook and Instagram at Our Town Brewery. Now, let's get back to our conversation. So 
Brian, I just want to say thank you so much for your authentic self and for being vulnerable with us today. And we do want to switch gears a little bit for a moment and just talk about you personally and your volunteer involvement with organizations serving the LGBTQ plus community. How have your life experiences, and I know that you've touched on this a little bit, and your intersectional identities influenced your career and your interest in digital storytelling? So since coming out, I've lived my life with intentionality, working with people and organizations and businesses that align with who I am and what I represent. Now more so since the pandemic began, the rise of Asian hate has been on the forefront of my identity. So using social media, I've used it as an outlet to let people know that we're more than labels. And I think my favorite quote of all time is, labels are for filing, labels are for clothes, labels aren't for people. And through this experience of digital marketing and storytelling through social media, it has allowed me to meet so many incredible people who came forth to tell their stories and connected with me on a more intimate level in terms of sharing their experiences, sharing what they went through, how they connected and resonated with my story. The whole experience has just been very overwhelming. So how has your identity impacted your career specifically? But then maybe what are some of the barriers or challenges that you've navigated as a member of the LGBTQ plus community? So I've been very fortunate to be able to live my life authentically and proudly with an amazing support system. And businesses and organizations that I'm affiliated with, like CAP, the LGBT Coalition, the KBA, things like that, they support me every step of the way. And they allow me to live my life how I am and who I am. However, it did come at a price. So I had to deal with a lot of family rejection. I had to deal with homelessness and some mental health challenges. But through chosen family and perseverance and challenging myself every day, I've fought to be where I am today. So it's been a crazy ride, for sure. I appreciate you sharing that with us. Thinking through a little bit, you know, we know that companies that have integrated diversity, equity, and inclusion into the workplace are better companies. What are ways in which companies can evaluate their culture and seek to build a more inclusive environment for their employees? I feel like DEI now more than ever is at the forefront of every business and organization. Through my experiences, I think it's important that everyone just be transparent and have that open line of communication. By understanding the makeup of your organization or business and how you can implement policies and procedures to support BIPOC in the queer community. For instance, something as simple as adding pronouns to your emails goes a long way. Don't be afraid to ask what someone's chosen pronouns are. Every little thing that you do to support the marginalized community members, it makes a huge difference in their lives. As young professionals, don't be afraid to ask the tough questions and bring a stool to the table. Challenge the way of thinking. Oftentimes, as young people, there's this misconception that we are too young and we don't know what we're doing or we don't know what we're saying. But contrary to popular belief, we make up a majority of the population now, and we have this certain level of expectation from businesses and organizations on DEI and being a safe space. You don't have to name names necessarily, but in some of those organizations that you've been, how have you felt supported in some of those atmospheres and or in any of the things you volunteered with too? Like what are some tactical ways that you've felt like, oh, this feels really good or, oh, this feels like a safe space for me? I'm going to use the Community Action Partnership as an example. We implemented the email pronouns. Adding pronouns goes a long way. I came out as non-binary. So my pronouns are he, they, and I also go by Brie or Bri. I'm not dead naming Brian. I'll always be Brian. But members in the organization as well as the community has begun to embrace my new name change, which is Brie or Bri. 
So little things like that goes a long way for me because I've struggled with my identity in so many ways. And coming out the first time wasn't great. And so coming out the second time isn't great, but it also was a better experience. So organizations that make you feel seen goes a long way. It really does. That was beautiful. I love that. Uh, but thinking about companies specifically, how would you encourage, you know, not only as a colleague of other folks who are members of the LGBTQ plus community, but, you know, wanting to kind of foster that type of culture throughout Lancaster County at different businesses, what are some other things that like young professionals can be doing specifically to advocate for their colleagues that are part of that community or other marginalized communities for that matter? So now more so since the pandemic began, there's been like the seismic shift in the way that young professionals think, engage, and expectations from the work that they do and from their employer. So when it comes to applying DEI to the workplace and engaging, one of the best ways to do so is to create a culture of belonging. A culture of belonging naturally asks us to note and respect the differences and the first step to appreciating diversity. Because if you can't embrace DEI or as a young professional, you go into a workplace, there will be people that are different from you with different lived experiences. And I'm a firm believer, and I live my life like this every day, is I treat everyone like family because you never know what someone else is going through. So by appreciating the DEI work, by letting everyone know that you are taking the charge in making changes to this goes a long way. I loved every single thing you just said. Every single thing, that culture of belonging, that is the seismic shift. And that is what, from top to bottom, I feel like companies can be doing is creating those cultures of belonging. And what does that mean inside those companies, in supporting marginalized communities, and, and what you don't know about someone? Just, just I can't. That was amazing. No, period. And, and, like, period. Yes. And also just, you know, exactly what I think our listeners as young professionals and such a great kind of tidbit to pull. If there's like one thing we can kind of like <laughs> is this culture of belonging and how important that is to the marginalized communities, but the shift we can make as young professionals in our workplaces. So thank you for that. Yeah. Also, as young people, we're afraid to have our voice be heard. And it's one of those things that we need to learn that we have a voice and we're here for a reason. So don't be afraid to use it. Yeah. I always think back to, you know, young professionals, no matter where you are at organizationally in the hierarchy, you can lead out at any level. And so this is a great opportunity for people to lead out in fostering inclusivity in their organization. So, yes, I agree with Molly, period. So one of the themes that we've seen emerging from recent chamber programming is about the importance of mentorship in creating pathways for marginalized communities. So women, people of color, the LGBTQ plus community. So when you look back at your life experiences so far, and you don't have to name names, but who have been some of those people for you, lifting you up and investing in your life or, you know, kind of what have they done? And here I was ready to name drop. You I was can just name you, drop. Can name drop. Right. you can name drop. I just want you to like, right. like I'm like in a situation. Right. Like, <laughs> right. I feel like it's going to be at the Oscars. Like, who should I name? Oh my God. Who didn't you name? Right. And no. I promise I won't slap anyone. <laughs> um, so I will say personally, it hands down will always forever be my grandmother. My grandmother is one of the survivors of the Vietnam War who has experienced so much hardships, such as racism, discrimination, and everything in between. When I came out, she was the only supporter in my family that really supported my journey coming out. And she helped me embrace my Asian identity. I'm the only one in my siblings that is very fluent in Vietnamese, writing, cooking, speaking. 
And it's one of those things that I will forever cherish because it was one of those things that I was ashamed of because I was growing up in a predominantly white neighborhood and I wasn't seen. But as I've gotten older, she will forever be my personal mentor, professionally and locally. And I hope no one will be offended (laughs) if I don't name them. But with organizations that I'm affiliated with, the leadership has always been such a great advocate for who I am and really supported everything I've done and challenged me in ways that I would have never thought of and given me different perspectives. So Vanessa Filbert, Christy Arend, this is for you. (laughs) Um, But also individuals like Kedrin and Sarah at Work Wisdom. And just as cliche as this sounds, it's everyone I meet in my life is also a mentor and a personal advocate because I'm a firm believer that everyone has come into our lives for a reason. And if we do meet in person, I know you're not only here as a friend, but to teach me something I need in this moment in time. People come and go, but everyone teaches you something about yourself in some capacity. And I think that's a good challenge for young professionals as they encounter others in the world. You know, what type of impression are you going to leave on those that you meet? You know, it works both ways. So, you know, you're open to the lessons, but what kind of lessons are people teaching? Are they lessons of kindness and compassion and listening? I always like to get into the specifics. So the next question kind of gets into that. So thinking about the characteristics or the situations you've been in or perspectives that those folks that you've named off may have on you, but how would you encourage people to find a mentor or what did you seek in those people that they had that it was kind of a mentor-like relationship? So it's funny. When trying to find a mentor, I think of it like updating your Christian Mingle profile, right? <laughs> so, or any dating site. <laughs> Um, so in all seriousness, I like to compare it to a dating site because you want to understand what a mentor is and isn't. There's a lot of misconception of what a mentor is and isn't, such as like, are you just going to a friend just for advice versus someone who will walk alongside you and provide criticism, feedback, and information to help better yourself and better position yourself in life? Be clear about your goals. What are your expectations that you're hoping to get out of the experience with your mentor? Going back to the dating profile reference, why are you on this dating profile? Like, really lean into that and look at different perspectives. Reach out and establish relationships. Be specific about what you want your mentor to be. And most importantly, to be open-minded and have an open heart to listen to feedback and open criticism. Because when you take a moment to reflect and have your thoughts in order— Participate in programs like the Lancaster Chamber. There's mentorship programs. It's an opportunity to network. Also, going back to the dating reference, speed dating, you know, it's like an opportunity to help you find the one to help you better yourself personally and professionally. And if you want me to be your mentor or just anyone to be a mentor, don't be afraid to ask. The worst that they can say is, no, not right now. I'm kind of busy kind of thing. So you set the tone of how you want your life to be. I just love all those kind of like, again, tidbits of easy things to pull from, but it's specifically around this mentorship stuff around asking, what are your goals, asking for feedback, those types of things I think are really important elements of that mentor-mentee relationship. So thanks for sharing that. It does feel like dating, though. I just want to say. <laughs> As the person who sets up mentor relationships, <laughs> Ashley would like to say, she is a dating app right now <laughs> for mentors and mentees generally. I've gotten coffee with someone and I'm like, okay, well, this is the first time that we've gotten coffee together. Do I ask now or do I wait until the second time we have coffee together? Right. When is the right time? Is it going to be quickly? Right. (laughs) The three day rule. (laughs) 
I mean, to your point, Ashley, it's a learning curve because like when I first started my professional career, I went on my first coffee meeting and I was like, I love you so much. I want you to be my mentor. And he was just like, whoa, like let's, <laughs> let's grab a couple more coffees first and hear more about you and like your experiences. So I'm all for it. And I honestly wouldn't be here without my mentors. So I really appreciate them. They go a long way. So as we close today, we have been asking our guests one crucial question. Crucial. Crucial. Dang, talk about pressure. <laughs> this is a common question that people are going to hear throughout the podcast. How do you see young professionals as a catalyst for positive impact in Lancaster? So I will say when I first moved here to Lancaster from Baltimore, I was hesitant because I thought everyone here was Amish <laughs> and I do not look cute in a bonnet. So no, thank you. Common misconception. Right. So common. But just so you know, I did buy a bonnet. So it works out. <laughs> but when I did come to Lancaster, I was genuinely surprised at how much of a melting pot it really is with diverse people, culture, thoughts, and ideas. As young professionals, we have the ability to be the change we wish to see in the world and more so in our community. Continue to educate yourself, get involved in the community, and find your seat at the table. Let your voice be heard and make an impact in this incredible place we call home. Because you have the power to be that change. Well said. Thanks for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure and honor to be here. If you guys are interested in following our journey and stories, follow CAP, the LGBT Coalition, and Keystone Business Alliance on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. But if you want to follow me personally, at IBAsian on all socials. So I look forward to connecting with everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Friends, thank you for joining us on this podcast journey. You can find out more about upcoming Young Professionals Network programs by following us on Instagram at YPN underscore blank chamber. Subscribe to What's on Tap Lancaster on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or your preferred podcast listening platform to stay up to date on our episode releases. Like what you hear? Leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. We are grateful to Millersville University's Titus Irvin and Blake Harvey for scoring the show. What's on Tap Lancaster is hosted by the Lancaster Chamber's Young Professionals Network. Written by me, Ashley Glenzer, produced and edited by Chris Zarnock, owner of KM Zen Creative, and recorded by Triforce Pro Audio Solutions. Stay inspired, Lancaster.